It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. It is, well, it's not March, but it's state tournament time, and we are into regional play. Regionals have already started. We are now into the regional semifinals coming up this Wednesday, and everybody in the state will be playing Wednesday night, Mike, in regional semifinals. We're going to talk regional regional basketball. It's great to talk about it again after a year or two years it's been since we've even discussed the state tournament. And I walked outside. The weather was pretty nice. I felt like it was the kind of March weather where you were in Peoria with a Sherby Champagne. So we will get at regional basketball talk, our two takes, uh, and then just kind of kind of preview this coming week, Mike. Yeah, Joe, I have to correct you there um, because as a fan of a team that's not playing on Wednesday. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's really central <laughs> yeah. went down. The Steelmen are already – they gave it their all, though, man. They took Oswego to the limit <laughs> in that game. The first, <laughs> first, first no-shot clock regional preview where teams have been eliminated already. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got a football so feel. Weird. Yeah, it's very – I think it's like 18 teams in 4A – or no, they're 18 played, so that means like nine lost, probably the same. So everybody but like, what, 30 teams <laughs> are going to play on Wednesday. It's uh, Sorry, guys. It, it must really have yeah. – I feel like that must have stunk for the teams who lost. Ah, oh, turn their uniforms in while the other teams are going to the regional semis and over the weekend. and Yeah, on what should have been like I, the last day of the season, it was the last day of the playoffs for them. I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got – um. Yeah, I guess we didn't super plan it here, but we're just going to hit on some regionals and stuff. That'll be our main feature, like Joe mentioned. Um, I, I have my, I'm pretty proud of myself though, because I've been deep in the laboratory on all city. I, uh, I have some very well researched takes. It's not just going to be me blathering from the hip. So. Well, you, why don't you start with one of those well researched takes? All right. First one. It's going to be Liddell Miller of Morgan Park. He's a name I think a lot of people know. Because he'd been around. He was on that, that man, when you look back at that Morgan Park team from two yeah. years ago, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to interject, you know, he was, he was kind of a name as on the prospect, you know, list yeah. back as even as a freshman. I remember watching him as freshman or a sophomore at uh, the Pangos, you know, underclassman all-star camp in the fall and, and, and being really intrigued, kind of a bigger, nimble, Good hands, kind of a skill level. So yeah, he he was, you know. And then Nick Irvin left, and and everybody left Morgan Park, and he stayed put. Which you can continue on with your take. Yeah, he um, it, it's kind of a, interesting because if Kenwood would have had him, they'd be unbeatable probably. Um, and I feel a little bit like, as someone who you know covers the public league, one of the few people who does, I feel like I've kind of let everybody down with my coverage of Liddell Miller. I, I did actually go out and see him. A week ago, two weeks ago, at Westinghouse, and he was spectacular. Uh, he had 19 points and 22 rebounds. Um, but his got his numbers for the for the season. He is averaging 19.6 points and 15.8 rebounds. Uh, he has something like a 10 game streak of double doubles. 
he, I mean, the numbers are insane. Like against St. Lawrence, he had 37 points and 13 rebounds. I mean, he's been putting up massive numbers all season long. They're the best numbers in the city. And I'm talking about best numbers, period. Not in the red, not in the white. You know, some guys have really high scoring totals in the white and blue and all that stuff. And I've gotten all these over the last week and a half. The statistical best player in the Chicago Public League is Liddell Miller. And I don't know how you can discount that when he plays in the Red South and with even the non-conference schedule they've played. Now, the record is not great for Morgan Park, but it's not a record where you should start discounting how well this guy played. And then when you really dive in, they lost to Mount Carmel in two overtimes. They lost to Kiri by 12. They lost to Kenwood in two overtimes. They lost to Simeon by seven points. I mean, there's a reason they're in these games against the elite teams, and it's Liddell Miller. He's that good, and he's just someone we have let kind of slip through the cracks, and it's it's kind of upsetting to me. Um, he, he didn't start the season as great as he's finishing it. Um, they were real frank about that when I talked about it. He's a big kid, and he was overweight. He had COVID weight, you know, like a lot of people did. And so he's been losing that. He's lost 30 pounds through the course of the season. I talked to um, Mount Carmel, uh, and Phil said that they were just able to – he was really good when he had the ball, but you know that was early in the season. It was like first week, I think, um, at Buffalo Grove. They were able to kind of just run him out of the game a bit, so he wasn't quite as effective. But Mike Irvin said he was great against them. Uh it was uh, Larry Wallace at Curie said he was really, really good against them. I mean, this is one of the best players in the red that should clearly be very high on my all city team that we just haven't hit on at all. And, and it's, it's too bad. You know, watching from, or watching from afar, Morgan park. I'm not going to say that I saw Morgan park play. Uh, it, it was interesting seeing their scores and you always kind of went back to them and I kept coming back to them, coming back to them. And then for whatever reason, that that Simeon game that was, that was a playoff game. Um, what, what wasn't like thirty or forty point game? They lost bad in the playoff game. Yeah, but they the conference and, game they and, only lost by seven. No, I know. Yeah, they only lost by seven. They lost to Kenwood in overtime. Yeah, it's all well documented how competitive they've been. It was just poof. That score was just odd to see at that time of the year, that late. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I. Like I said, he he showed a nice skill level for a big kid, um, good footwork and, and at an early age, and he has slipped to the cracks. And I'm gonna go from you talking about something we haven't talked about at all to to a topic that we've talked a lot about. And who's tired of talking about Glenbard West? Uh, I just you know watching them Friday night against Simeon. I I don't know, Mike. You know, I combined. We've probably seen Glenbard West between the two of us twenty times in person, fifteen times in person. I don't know. I, I I felt like it was other than the Hillcrest game where I think they were just out of sorts. They were missing Paxton Warden. Uh, I knew at that point they had some illness going on with that team at that time. All that, but this was not their most impressive game, and that's why I came away as I left there and I thought about the next day uh, I became a little more impressed and it's elevated myself or elevated them in my eyes to being an overwhelming overwhelming favorite to win 
the state championship now. They've done enough all year long. But seeing the game plan Simeon had and seeing how Glenbard West responded while not playing their best basketball. Now, Simeon came in there with, with to play ultra-physical. They were going to come at Glenbard West in any way they could to get in under their skin, to get in their heads. There was, you know, there was a few moments where it probably crossed the line. There was a T assessed and all that. And Glenbrook West kind of just did their thing. And not only did their thing, the game was never close. Now, Simeon, that was the worst I've seen Simeon play all year. I credit Glenbrook West again uh, for what they do to teams, and, and particularly defensively. I, I just... We always talk about the juggernaut teams, the high-octane teams, the teams with multiple weapons and putting up big numbers. And I just think this defense continues to be just so – everybody's talking about it, I know. The one three one. nobody can do anything with it. But it's true. I just – you know, the other than Sierra Canyon game, no one has been able to be in any kind of sync at all offensively. And – They've kind of gone through now. We've watched them the entire season. They've taken on all anyone they could play. They'll play them. Now, I, I don't, in hindsight, I even tweeted about this. It sounded great three weeks ago when I suggested this game. <laughs> I did not like the game. I, I I was hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that everybody got out of there healthy and didn't get hurt. Uh, there were players came out of there, I know for a fact, that were they're banged up. So, it, it, it to me, it it just seemed like a forced game uh, that didn't. There wasn't a lot you were going to gain from it at that. And, you know, the city playoffs were done. Simeon's, you know, moving on to three A. Glumber West to four A, and, and it sounded great. Number one three A, number one four A, but it was a bad basketball game. Uh, but with all that being said, I've gone from Glenbard West being you know the obvious favorite to win a state championship to. I don't see anyone beating them. Like I just it, it, now, that's if they come in and just lay an egg, I, that can happen. But if they're playing anywhere on their game, no one is beating Glenbard West. Yeah, I'm a little. I mean, I figured. I, I'm sure we've talked about it numerous times that they would lay an egg at some point in the regular season. They did not. Um, I think you're leaving out the one, the best game of the year, though. They played. It, it was Glenbrook South. Glenbrook South did have offensive flow against them, did go on some runs and had two shots at the end to tie it. Either one of those goes in and it's a whole different season. Um, yes, but I'm going to interrupt you. The, the Glenbard West team in November, December versus the Glenbard West team in January and February. And, and this is a really good team. A couple of factors. You get more and more lethal and comfortable. The more you play in that defense. You know, 10 games in versus 30 games in. Two, Durkin has become way more comfortable, at ease. I can just see it in him. He is so in sync right now. You know, he transferred from Hinsdale South. He played with him, you know, a good chunk of, of, of obviously the summer and then in the first half of the season. But you can just see a difference with him as well. He he was terrific. He was the best player on the floor, actually, Um in that Simeon game, you know, most productive, highly valued kid that, player that, that produced. So I, I just think those two things, the comfort level that Durkin has and how in flow he is with this group compared to what he was in November, December and, and, and versus, 
what we're seeing, you know, now. See, yeah, but I think Glenbrook South got more better, if that makes any sense. That was literally one of the handful of first games that some of their starters had played on varsity. I mean, you know, Gavin Marr, uh, Davis, those guys are juniors, you know, that were not around last year. So I think they got as, they also got way better over the last four months. You know, it wasn't, and I think they had a lot, they had a higher ceiling, they had way more to improve on than, we saw that against Simeon, how much better they were than they were. Those kids have really improved. So I'm not sure about that. I yeah, think I, it's I, right I, there. I, I just think they have so many more weapons. And, oh, right. um, they do. I mean, there's no it, doubt about so it. So I, I just, I, again, they, could they play a poor game? It happens. It's a one time and you're out. What do you but think about at, uh, what, I don't know if you saw what Robert Smith told me after the game. Uh, he was wondering if Young, he said it was about the length and the defense, about how, you you know, the film doesn't do it. You have to play it. You know, then you see it. So he wondered if Young would be able to handle it better a second time. They could handle it better a second time. I just don't think it, it at the end of the day it's going to matter. If Glenbard West is playing, they don't even have to play their absolute best to win a state championship. They can play just really good. I, I just truly believe that uh, after a 31-game slate uh, of watching them up close and seeing them play different. And, and, and give some credit to Jason Apolka. That schedule he played, I mean, Glenbard West could have very easily done a typical suburban, we're good for the first time ever, and we're going to, you know, we'll add a team here. We'll play that one big shootout and maybe one game. They went out and played people in different environments, different settings, different um, styles of play, you know, bigger teams, athletic teams, uh, city teams, a national team. They're just, there's just nothing that is going to bother these five seniors and and what they're going to see in the next. And that's very rare for a team that's never gone through a state tournament run before. That's why I'm so comfortable and confident in what, what they have. And, Again, I know Mike will buy me a new Trier sweatshirt. He's even texting me that, or a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I, I still think new Trier is going to be a monster foe for Glenbrook South to get by again. Uh, obviously, they lost to him the last time they played. Um, so that's not saying a ton that new Trier could beat them. <laughs> they won on their home floor. They'll play there in the sectional. So Glenbrook South Road, Glenbrook West is going to be touched prior to Champaign. Yeah, I think the young matchup is really bad for, you know, they just don't have the shoot, not to sound like Mike Irvin, <laughs> but I don't see them having the shooting that second time. You know, Coop, the key to that Glenbrook South game wasn't actually Nick Martinelli. He, well, I mean, he actually guarded Huff and so that was huge, but it was Cooper Nord. He was on fire, you know, from outside. They needed that to stay in the game. So it's hard to see that happening for young. Is there any, state title game that could materialize that you as a fan, not that we're pulling for teams, but that would be most interesting or intriguing from three weeks now out. Obviously Glenbard West against who? In a state title game. Gotta be normal, right? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um are they opposite brackets? Yeah. Because the Glenbrook South game, I think, would be the semi. Uh, I guess. I mean, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I know I would have said Kenwood 
Um, oh, oh wait, no, 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 I'm wrong. I, I didn't realize Glenbrook West was in the. That could be the title game. It could be Glenbrook South. I, I should know this. Sorry, I haven't dived into my brackets well enough yet. Um, yeah, so it would be Glenbrook South, and I mean, it, it was a great game the first time, so that would be really exciting if that happened. Um, rematch. If you're new, true. I mean, that was one of the best games I saw all year. Yeah, Glenbard West would play normal in the in the semifinal. So that could and, be fun, and then they have New Trier or Glenbrook South or Young. Right. Like my again, this is not because I have been a full supporter of New Trier. I I like that matchup, New Trier, and because they have shooters, they have a little bit of size, on length. That's the matchup, uh, and I've had a number of coaches who have played both teams or have watched both teams and have even mentioned that to me. Like, Joe, I think that's the game. Um, not that they're saying they're going to beat Lombard West, but because of – they got four or five guys that can shoot the basketball, Nutrier. And they've got a host of players who are 6'4", 6'5", Jackson Monroe, 6'8". So it does – and if you remember – well, you probably don't remember. I don't know if you saw it. The best game I saw all summer long was when I watched Nutria play Glenbard West at the Riverside Brookfield shootout. You get fined it, if you bring up summer basketball it, in late uh, February. <laughs> it, 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 that was, the, the you know, it was just a fun summer game. And so, anyway, that's that's the matchup um, I, I would like to see. Yeah, I think it would be turnover central. I think they'd have a real issue. Um that's been Nutrier's downfall and all when it when they've had a, a bad game and it kind of shudder to think how that would go against Glenbard West. I don't like that matchup. Um, but anyway, um, my second take here is uh, on another city kit, DJ Bates from De La Salle, who uh, <laughs> may it's have... like Mike. Mike's just like clearing out his like <laughs> like it's it's suitcase of all the leftover city kids. Well, these are my guys. I don't know where to put them on the, um, his numbers come in. He's averaging 21.5 points. And I don't know if everybody realized or saw Adilis Hell finally got a decent win. Uh, they beat Marion Catholic over the weekend, but DJ Bates was eight of nine from three in the first half of that one. He, uh, finished with 38 points. Oh, sorry, 35 points, I think. Um, he has scored more than 600 points this season. Um, I was talking to Gary DeCesar a little bit, you know, you know, they haven't won many uh, games, but he's been over 37 times. And I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, they played at the King Cotton Classic, which for old heads <laughs> used to be like, I don't even know what it used to be. One of the biggest events in the country. Then it was shut down for a while. It recently came back, but they've got the records and everything. And uh, DJ Bates scored 99 points in the three games that broke the record the all-time three-game record at the King Cotton Classic, which has sent 35 players to the NBA. Corliss Williamson, Jason Kidd, Bobby Hurley, uh, Stanley Roberts, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Eric Snow, all these guys. And the leading scorer in the history is now DJ Bates. Um, he was, I only saw him once this season. I saw him against Mount Carmel pretty early and he was a, he, just a terrific score, you know, in a year where we, Joe and I have talked about that in the podcast. We've lacked that, 
you know, even the top teams don't have that guy that's kind of an automatic 20 a game. And that's what DJ Bates is. He's at least 20 a game. And, you know, he, and he can get more. He really gets to the basket. He can shoot it when he's hot. And, but I did clarify this because he was on rosters as a junior all year. He's not a junior. He's a senior. Um, and that's something I think everybody knew. I guess DJ Bates was a pretty well known, uh, eighth grader and, and freshman. So he is a senior, but those numbers are tremendous and he's just not somebody. I mean, it's because of De La Salle's record. We haven't talked about them enough, but he's going to have a place in the all city team. And it'll be interesting to see if, um, De La Salle can keep their uh, little one game hot streak going to the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, since there hasn't been very many big time scoring performances from individual players, I'm not, not going to double down on your no talk of summer basketball on a February podcast by no talk of a 21 loss team in February. Yeah. I, they, they just, yeah. 10 and 21 or whatever they are. Um, individual awards. It's, 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 indiv- it's individual though. I mean, you can't control. No, I'm saying I'm not going to, yeah. I'll let it, I'll let it roll. Uh, my second take is I'm just kind of coming full circle with, I, I probably discussed this. I, I, I'm almost guaranteeing it that I did in a, probably a November, early December podcast. And I'm just going to talk about it one more time because it's that time of year to talk about it. Those teams that I, one of my favorite things in March, or I keep saying March, even though we're, we're starting so early now. And I know some teams are knocked out in February. Um, that I love to follow. I love to see their road in, in state tournament play when they start getting into those sectional games. And those, Mike and I have talked about it. Those are generally our favorite games of the year. The Friday night sectional finals, even the semifinals, if you get the right environment, the right teams, the right gyms, the right crowds, uh, they're just, they're the best. And these teams are going to be experiencing it for the first time. And in terms of if they can win the sectional title, there's just, and I write, I'm writing about it, uh, coming up in, I don't know when it'll be posted, Mike, probably Tuesday. I just sent it in, but uh, there are so many teams this year who are in position to kind of make history for their schools and their communities. And to, by that, I just mean who have never won a sectional championship before. And I, I think that, you know, you start with, yeah, so we talked, I mean, Glenbard West is one of those teams that really doesn't really do much in history. Uh, but they, they've, I think they have one sectional championship. Uh, but I mean, Glenbrook South has won, never won one. Lake Forest, never won one. Kenwood, Oswego East, Burlington Central, Wakanda, um, I'm missing one. St. Ignatius. They are all in some way, shape or form between a subsectional or a sectional, the number one seeds in their sectional. And this is just a exciting time for those schools, these players. It's just different when you've never done it before in your community. And, and we're seeing it with Glenbard West, how they've, you know, they've won one, but they haven't been like this ever before. So it's going to be fun to see these types of storylines develop. They're not all going to win their sectionals. I don't think, I mean, I think a couple of like Burlington Central and Wakanda would play one another in their sectional. But I, I I take that back. I wouldn't be surprised if if I'm looking at it if every one of them won a sectional, Mike, except for the Wakanda Burlington Central. I mean Glenbrook South. I mean I I think Lake Forest is going to win. I mean Kenwood is going to have their hands full. Uh, Swigo East will have their hands full. 
uh, and Ignatius. We talked about their road they have. So it's, uh, it's just a fun, exciting time for teams that have not been down that road before. It could be Iggy against uh, De La Salle. <laughs> yeah. In the sectional. Westinghouse is taking them down. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's the other huge scorer in the city. He might be the, I think he's the leading scorer in the red is, uh, Josh West at Westinghouse is at like 23 a game. Um, if they get through, but actually Fenwick has been playing, they've been much better lately. So it at least should be competitive against Iggy in the, um, in the semi. But, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, because I rank I, in the article it's coming out. That's I rank yeah. these the seven teams and the best chance of winning a sectional based on who they are as a team and the road they have is obviously the most important thing because some people just you know Kenwood has a tough road. Glenbrook South is a little tricky trying to win that sectional against Nutrier. Um, you know, so it, it's it, it's just gonna be interesting and to to watch these those seven storylines with those seven teams develop. Well. Sorry, I'm gonna ask you a question. You have no, you probably don't know the answer for. Um, I, I just saw that St. Francis is the number two seed in that. Good, they're underrated. Yeah, they might be a nice, Wakanda, nice little right? team. Yeah, I mean, I I put Wakanda seventh on that list in, in that yeah. story that's coming out. Um, I think they have the the, and I, I'm not trying to. It's not. I shouldn't be saying that when I have not obviously seen Wakanda <laughs> yeah, play. I, yeah. I'm going strictly by scores. You know, they were uh, beaten pretty good by Huntley. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, St. Francis is kind of a – they can shoot it. they got a little grit. They, they're they a nice little team. Yeah, they could come out of there and create some havoc in the Crystal Lake South. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into now some regional talk. And, uh, obviously, we're doing this on Monday. It'll be up on Tuesday. The regional semifinals are Wednesday with the final on Friday. So it's going to be a little bit of a – just some discussion about particular regionals and maybe some matchups we're intrigued with. And, you know, I'm going to start, Mike, by one I got my eye on. Uh, if anybody saw, there was a big piece in the Sun-Times on Saturday, and Sports Saturday, and then online on Conrad Luzinski of Bartlett, the 7-3, putting up massive numbers. And, you know, I've seen him now two times here down the stretch. And I just find it really an interesting matchup because of who he is, who they're playing there. You know, Wheaton South has no size. Um, it's just going to be an interesting game if that develops. Now they've got some shooters, Bartlett, and you have to put so much effort into coming up and game planning for Luzinski. Cause if, if you just go one-on-one with a six, two post player or, you know, Wheaton South has a six four six five. You know they'll throw that at him, but it's just going to be interesting to see because there was one team that was going. It was a very muddled sectional seating with three four teams could have gone either way between like five six seven, and that seventh team could very easily be a fifth seed. So you can kind of see there's not a whole lot of difference between that four five six seven. So that two seed which is Wheaton South, was going to get a team that, you know, was going to be a tough challenge. Now, Wheaton South plays a, a style that, that's problematic for a lot of people, and it will be for Bartlett. But I, I find that one very, very interesting in a, in a regional championship. Definitely. I, we just, I just looked it up, though. We, we had mentioned before we started recording that Geneva 
Barlow's got to get through Geneva, who knocked off Lake Park last week. Okay, yeah. Um, that could be. And, and, and the regional is at Wheaton South, so I, I was sure Wheaton South's going to turn out for that. They're revved up with, you know, a top 10 ranking, and what are they, 29 and 2? Yeah. Is that? Yeah, it's something, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that to me, um, and I know Mike, we, we were talking, and we can get to this too. One of the regionals we're most intrigued with, uh, is that Evanston regional? Yeah. Before, uh, sorry, I wanted one more thing. I just realized if things went well and Bartlett pulled off that upset, this Their sectional is at Bartlett. Uh, well, yeah, but the sectional semi could be Bartlett against Bennett. It could be mm. Kyle Thomas versus the Polish Hammer. Interesting. That would be awesome. Yeah. An actual at- big man matchup. Yeah, at Bartlett. Yeah. At Bartlett. I would kind I'll, of be in- interested in that. Um, Although one big man likes it down low a little more than the other. <laughs> yeah. But I- I've been interested to see Kyle Thomas's numbers for the season. They haven't sent him over yet, but he- I- he's I- good. I might, uh, my Wednesday might be, because I haven't decided where I'm going Wednesday. Have you? Uh, I think I might go to the, the Evanston we were talking about, but I'm not sure. I might go to Bartlett, Geneva. Might as well. I feel bad. This is like the first year I haven't seen a uh, Geneva game in a long time. Um, yeah, no, but as Joe mentioned, uh, i am got my eye on the Evanston sectional. I think it's just going to be a, a really Re- interesting. Regional. A regional, sorry. Regional, yeah. uh, really interesting. The first, the, the 6 p.m. game is Glenbrook North and Taft. And for those who haven't seen Taft this year, they're competitive. You know, they haven't blown anybody's doors off or whatever, but they, these teams actually just played on February 5th. It was at Glenbrook North, and Glenbrook North won 57-52. to 52. So that's going to be a tough one um, just at 6 o'clock. For, uh, I, I have not gotten a look at Glenbrook North yet either, and Ryan Cohen, I'm, I'm excited. I'd also like to see his numbers. Um, if anyone's listening, all area nomination time, uh, send those on over. But uh, And then the second game at 7.30 is Evanston against Schomburg. And Evanston's been up and down this year. Um, they had the nice win recently against New Trier, but they've also looked bad sometimes. You know, they've got some young personnel, though, that's interesting. And Schomburg is a team that we have we mentioned ever on this podcast this year, Joe? <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, no. um, They've got a kid, DJ Wilson. Um, he's a senior guard that's averaging 17 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. I've had a couple people reach out to me about him over the last couple weeks. Some, some colleges are starting to look at him, and he's getting some interest. So that's a a player I really like to check out against Evanston. And, so, and then the, the regional final would be at Evanston, and it could be a rematch of Evanston-Glenbrook North, which I believe was close twice um, this season. I'm yeah. looking right now. So that could be a fantastic game. Yeah, I, 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 that whole sectional to me, Mike, has some intrigue. Uh, you know, you go to the Nutria Regional, you know, a, a team that we – another team we haven't talked about uh, is Conant. Yeah, and you know they've got. I think they've got sixteen, seventeen wins. Beat Iggy, I was there. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, Conan is a t- well coached. Uh, Matt Walsh should return back into coaching and 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 does a great job against Loyola. Now the over under would probably be, let's see, a thirty four, thirty two final. We'll put the over under at a t- points at about sixty eight and a half. Uh, it is going to be a grinding, low-scoring possession-by-possession game. Loyola Conant. You know, that's a, but, that, but that, that's a tough regional semifinal, and I feel bad for both of them because they got the shaft by the IHSA. Six versus ten, which shouldn't ever happen. Uh, and then the winner gets, obviously, Nutrier in, on Nutrier's home floor. Um, well, 
their Northfield campus where they have playing the second half of the season. So that, that's a, a reason to keep an eye on uh, in my mind. And then how about this Proviso East is a – I don't even know how to describe them. Uh, they, I've seen them two, three times. They have looked atrocious. They've even looked atrocious and good in the same game. Starting out on Friday night against Hillcrest, where they they were down seventeen to three or seventeen, wasn't it like twenty to? Yeah. It, it was, uh, and then came all the way back. You know, they have two scoring guards, Javon Johnson and uh, Junior Jelani Johnson, and they did their thing again. Um, you know, the double figure scores. It, it's going to be interesting. Mike and I were talking pre podcast uh, about their matchup in the semifinal. I was already looking ahead. They lost to Lions by 30 in the regular season. Uh, looks like probably late January. And a rematch with what has transpired for Proviso East lately. And, and again, I, I, I don't know what this – they beat Hillcrest, which is a really nice win, uh, 69-66. So is that the a sign that – They've got some that are recharged and ready for a shot of taking down Lions on upset. I know you think differently that they might lose before that game. Yeah, I think they're not that puzzling because they're like a lot of teams. If they hit their threes, they're really good. If they don't, they're almost useless. I don't know what the deal is with this season. I don't know if it's Steph Curry's influence plus COVID uh, weaknesses or whatever, but there are so many teams this season like that it's just it's kind of makes it hard to kind of really judge or rank a team i mean they don't really have any rebounders (laughs) you know they don't have any post game they don't get to the basket super well it just comes down to if they get transition buckets and they hit their threes and that seems to be a lot of teams and i think that could be a problem for proviso east in the first round against a lincoln park team which if you just look on paper i think they're 13 and 13 and they've got some pretty ugly scores against good teams. But I, I've seen them a couple times now. The personnel is there. They're going to be bigger and stronger and just as fast as Proviso East. And they also are one of those teams where if they hit their threes, look out. You know, they they beat uh, they almost beat Batavia, a pretty good team. They've done better against the suburban teams, frankly. They've gotten their doors blown off by most public league teams. Although they were in the game in the end against Clark. Um, I was there. The final score was a little misleading. But, yeah, I think that could be a tough one for them just because it's just going to come down to which team hits its threes. And I think the Lincoln Park guys are pretty hot now. That could be rough. But, yeah, I don't know. Joe and I were at the Proviso East game, and it's like, boy, this is horrible. And then just things start to fall. Yeah. You know? and it, it, it was it yeah. was a that, – that whole night was just a weird night of basketball. Weird mojo. Yeah. Here's the tip, guys. No more shootouts on the final day of the regular season. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't it just Not, doesn't work. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh let's go to your let's talk about your boys route. Yeah, Juliet the, West. Um... Yeah, I, I wish we were not. I wish Juliet West was not in this conversation because I would like to think they would have an easier road through. But I think the Nequa Valley Regional is is really interesting. Um, I have not seen a ton of DuPage Valley basketball this season, but Nequa Valley has clearly been competitive. I have seen Lincoln Way East play twice, and they, they've got some pieces. Um, you know, they did. They lost a ton to transfer, but I saw them. Did they beat Proviso East when I was there? 
I don't even remember what happened in that game, but they were neck and neck with Proviso East the whole game. Um, so that's going to be a really competitive uh, 6 o'clock game. And then it's followed up by Joliet West Romeoville, which the locals will know. It's it's become a heck of a rivalry at this point. Um, the Romeoville head coach, who uh, I guess it was, what, two or three years ago when he uh, – Mark Howard is his name. He actually plays – he's from Joliet. He probably still lives there. He played for Joliet. Yeah, he's taken some players from Joliet West. He took Eddie Creel. Uh, this year he took Troy Cicero from the Steelman. Um, he's gotten kids to come over there. Plenty of other kids as well. Joliet West people weren't happy about it. There were some some incidents a couple of years ago in those games. And this season, Romeoville beat them in the first game. Now, the second game, when Joliet West had more personnel back, I think they won by double digits. But that is going to be a hard-fought rivalry-type game. And I think whoever wins both of those games, it's going to be a tough one um, in the next one. I think the Nequa Valley Regional is going to be a lot more competitive than it looks. Although if Joliet West is healthy and plays to their potential, you know, they could come through it easily, but I'm guessing it won't. Yeah. Be. Yeah. I mean, Joliet West, oh, they did beat Romeoville 73 to 57 in this last meeting that they had. They did lose to him back in early December, but Toby Anyakanwu was not playing with Joliet West at that time, which he's been pretty much a leading scorer, right? I mean, he's led them in scoring since his return. Yeah, well, well, because Jade Martin went out <laughs> too. Yeah. Right yeah. So. In, so. You know, I, I like them to get through. And Nequa has been a different team. Ah, another one that's been, they, they've kind of, they've, they lost a bad loss. They lost a close one to Lamont, a close one to Bolingbrook, lost a close one to DeKalb, uh, a, another close one, a bad loss to Matia Valley. So they've lost four of six on the stretch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, I like Julia West to get through there, although that's at Nequa Valley. Ugh. It's going to be a depressing playoffs for me if Juliet was kinked out of the. We should be able to get out of this regional. I, I just think that, yeah, it's going to be a little tighter than I would have hoped. I don't. And, and there aren't Juliet, many that are. Yeah. Juliet West of Swigo East, I'm not going to get into sectionals, but it would yeah. be. I, I actually went to that game uh, the first time they played, and that was a really entertaining game. So that would be the semifinal and the sectional if, if they can both get through. That would be uh, ideal. Um, what other? I think. Oh, the I thought the Plainfield North um, regional is an interesting one. Plainfield North, the hosts had to beat Plainfield East uh, on Saturday to get through. Um, I don't know how great that Bolingbrook Plainfield North game will be, but East Aurora has some. Uh, the second game, sorry, is East Aurora against Lincoln Way Central, and those are two teams that don't have the greatest records, but they've got players and they've got some fire to them. You know, Jack Vegter at Lincoln Way Central, the other guard they've got is nice. And East Aurora, I mean, J.J. Acosta was one of the more impressive players I saw this season just as far as heart and effort. Going back to your boy, Liddell, they play a matchup with St. Rita. Can Morgan Park beat St. Rita? I think they can. I wouldn't have them as favorites, but... I wonder how things are at St. Rita. I think we like we need a status report from uh, yeah. St. Rita. Uh, have we talked about Rainier leaving? I think we did last time, yeah. Cause you yeah, we did. They could, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I wonder how things are there. And, you know, they just nominated like they're all city and all area, and you know, Rainier's not on it, and so it's clearly they team. host the regional. Yeah. You know, so that will be at St. Rita, and you know, that's a bear of a sectional. You know, with, with all those teams, kind of, you know, you got. 
St. Rita Morgan Park. You've got a potential championship of Brother Rice and Bloom and, you know, a South Suburban flavor and if Thornwood can beat Marist, you know, Thornwood HF. So it's, Ooh, I, and then I take it back, Joe. I gave Liddell Miller, Liddell Miller is really good, but he's going to have more as Johnson and James Brown. Oh yeah. That's bad matchup. Liddell Miller is going to kill you if you don't have an athletic big, but clearly they and, do. <laughs> yeah. And one of the underrated stories, <laughs> Oak Lawn. Can Oak Lawn rev it up on their home floor and first take care of TF oh, South oh, yeah. and then get Kenwood in a regional final. I think that's real. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's really exciting. I have not seen Oaklawn this year. Um, but yeah, that, that caught my eye right away. Um, yeah, it's one of those good stories of the year. Yeah. And they do, um, they always host Oaklawn's always hosting at least the regional and Simeon is often the number one seed. So I'll just kind of be there. Like my Jabari Parker player of the year interview was at Oaklawn high school because Simeon was playing Oaklawn, you know, in one of these regional games. Um, so, they bring out a, my point here is they bring out a good crowd even when they're not great. Oakland's a good mm-hmm. basketball community that people don't really understand. Like when they were good two or three years ago, they did big numbers on our stories. So I would expect that Oakland with this kind of season they're having hosting Kenwood coming well, in. Oh boy. I mean, yeah. And Mike, I mean, people, we, you know, this is, you know, before I, I either did a take or a three pointer on Oakland and what they, you know, the season they were having and, Winning their first conference championship in 39 years, but since then, they've beaten they've gotten better, Riverside yeah. Brookfield. Yeah, they beat Riverside Brookfield and Lamont in the last 10 days. Yeah, that's a horrible it's, thing for Ken, the number one seed to have to deal with. Horrible. And, and they and they and they finish it off with a win over Thornwood. Uh, Andrew then beat them in the in the finale, but that's a that's a, a fun little little matchup. Yeah, that's a good boy. I could be convinced to uh, head there on Friday night. That could be fun. You would get the uh, you get the environment that I think you and I both <laughs> yeah. love to see uh, in in state tournament. That, that's a big part of this, man. I you know what I mean? Oh, it's everything. I, how often yes. do you, yeah? I, I, I mean, I, I just when you go to a regional, particularly regional championship, and on sectional games and and it's really dead it really just you feel like you're almost wasting your night yeah that's, <laughs> better, even if it is two good teams that's one of the things i like about this new doubleheader format i think there'll be a lot more people at the first at the regional um semis yeah that 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 will be one positive yeah because i think they've um, been a lot of those have been really dead the last few years and I have not yeah. enjoyed it. So I think that'll help, hopefully, a bit. Uh, any other 4A1 you see as I'm scanning through? I don't uh, think so. No, and the, and the only 3A1 that kind of jumps out to me is a regional final in Morris. <laughs> a weird Lamont versus Marion Catholic in Morris uh, seems a little odd. But that one, you know, Jeremiah Jones for, for Marion Catholic, who's a stellar defensive player you know if i had an all defensive team he'd probably be on it and obviously lamont story is a year away but still having a good year they've got some juniors and and and, and a talented uh, you know division one sophomore and and noyas um uh, and that's probably the best three a uh, regional final matchup 
I like, um, I have a little interest. I think Notre Dame Carmel could be a good game. It's going to be at Notre Dame. That's a big, uh, boost for them. For yeah. Sure. Carl, Car- Carl's got the personnel, you know, with Asher Jackson and, and, and Bryce Moore, two really good scores that can get hot and carry you for a game or two. Regional and Notre Dame. Oh, Mike, they are. Yeah. They just lost again, didn't they, to somebody? They are one and six. Yeah. South Elgin. One and six in the last seven. Um, now they played some good teams down the stretch, you know, with Orr and, and played Bennett twice. And anyway, I, I kind of like Carmel in that one. Yeah, that should, boy, that'd be interesting. Um, I guess the other Tinley Park Egg Science should be a decent first round game and at Hillcrest. And I think a Tinley Park Hillcrest game, that's a lot of rivalry and a lot of, stuff there for Hillcrest stuff to deal. That's just a bad thing for a number one seed. They're going to be at home at Hillcrest. They should be fine. But when you win the number one seed in a sectional, that's not a game you want in the regional final uh, yeah. to be dealing with that. You should have a much easier road. I mean, what Thornton's dealing with like Evergreen Park, no offense to Evergreen Park, but um, any, uh, right. I guess the Kankakee Richards game in Oak Forest, I think could be close one. Richards has been competitive this year, pulled some things off and Kankakee, I don't know what to think of them. They were looking really good when the football players first came back and then it kind of tailed off. So, um, yeah, I did not see Kankakee this year either. Yeah. So not much else there, but yeah, the rest of, um, three, it'll be interesting to see Burlington Central's kind of, you know, they've been skating in at the bottom of my rankings there for a long time now, and they haven't really had a challenge. And so I've kind of felt a little guilty about that because teams are losing to good teams and getting knocked out, and Burlington Central just kind of sailed on through. But they're the one seed at Crystal Lake South, and it doesn't look like anybody's going to – I mean, I don't know much about Boylan. They're always good, but uh doesn't look like they're going to many. Yeah, I, I got high hopes for Burlington Central. They told me – remember – I don't know if you remember that guy said he's the, they said they're going to win state. So right, I like well. that it was bold. We, we shall find out. But – uh I think that wraps up our look at the regionals. We'll be back uh, next week with a look at sectionals and uh, in, get out and enjoy uh, some IHSA state playoff basketball for the first time in a really long time. It should be a fun week.